So good to be here. It's my great honor to be able to worship with you this morning. I'd like to uh, introduce my family to you. Um, my wife and I, we have five girls. They are worshiping at ECC at this moment because uh, there's this guy named George Hinman preaching there, <laughs> um, and they rather listen to him than to me. So. <laughs> But they will uh, join me uh, for the 5 o'clock service today. And uh, it just dawned on me just not too long ago that I have four teenagers, four, four of them. And uh, no wonder I find myself losing a few hair lately. Yeah. (laughs) Well, the kindred, uh, vision of kindred is for us, the body of Christ, to bring glory to our Lord Jesus by coming together to show our Christian unity in a time when our city, our nation, is so divided. And yes, while we come from different churches, while we have different backgrounds and cultures, we even speak different languages, but the fact is that through our faith in Jesus Christ, we have a new identity. We are all children of God. We are family. We are kindred. We are one. Amen? But you know how it is. Due to our sinful human nature, uh, we have our tendency to revert back to our comfort zone. What is comfortable? Our differences. And we choose to live lives of separation. I came across this story of a pastor in Australia, Pastor John Reed, who out of his love for God, he would drive the church bus every Sunday, which carried both the whites and the aborigines. Every time they would come together on the bus, they would pick fights. (laughs) They would uh, gain up on each other. Well, one day, tired of all this hostility, Pastor John, he pulled the bus over, and he said to them, the white boys. He said, what color are you? They said with pride, white. He said, no, you're not white. You are, you're green. You're green. And then he turned to the aborigines and he said, how about you? And what color are you? They looked at each other and they're like, uh, black. He said, no, you're not black. You are green. Everyone who rides on my bus is green. And so he kept driving. He mixed them up together and kept driving. And sure enough, there was peace and quiet. (laughs) Until a few miles down the road, he heard a boy at the back of the bus stand up and announce, all right, light green on this side and dark green on that side. (laughs) Yes, Christ has broken down walls between us. We are one, but we have a way of erecting those walls, don't we? We have a tendency of raising up those barriers between us, and we revert back to our comfort zones and and our differences. And my hope and prayer for all of us is that throughout these six weeks, through the messages uh, through the interchurch activities, that, that we would be reminded in a powerful way 
of our new identity in Jesus Christ. And may the love that binds us together compels us to remove the boundaries that we have set up between us. Amen? So how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we love one another with the love of God? Here's the outline for today's message. Submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Grasp the love of Christ and be filled with the fullness of God. Let's look at number one. Submit to the Lordship of Christ. Verse 17, Paul prayed, that he may strengthen you with power so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Wait, Paul was talking to the believers here at this time, which means they already had Jesus in their lives. But why did Paul pray once again that Jesus would dwell in them? Well, the key word here is the word dwell, the word dwell, because it literally means to settle down, and to feel at home. Settle down and feel at home. See, for us believers, the question is not so much, is Jesus living in us? No, that's not the question. But the question is, does Jesus feel at home in my heart? That is the question to ask. Because for many of us, Jesus is living in the home of our heart, all right? But where is he, really? Where is he? He's in the guest room, cooped up in our guest room. And yes, we say to him, Jesus, welcome, make yourself at home. But we don't really mean it. I remember one time, my wife and I, we threw a birthday party for one of our daughters. And we invited all these six-year-old uh, six girls to come to our, our home to celebrate her birthday with us. And we told them, welcome, girls. Make yourselves at home. And they did. They, they all had a wonderful time, and they ate. They played together. Everything was cool until one of them took the liberty to roam around the house, walked upstairs, and started peeking into our bedrooms. And that's when I was like, hey, hey where do you think you're going, little girl? <laughs> right? Isn't it true that when we say to our guests, make yourselves at home, we don't really mean it? I mean, we never want them to open our fridge to see what's in there. We never want them to go into our bedrooms, open our closet doors to see what kind of junk we hide in there. We, we never want them to uh, rearrange our furniture. No, we only say it because it's a polite thing to say, that's all. <laughs> How often we say to Jesus, Jesus, make yourself at home. But in reality, we keep him as a guest in our guest room. Well, our scripture reminds all of us today that it's not enough just to have Jesus be our guest, but he needs to be our Lord. Amen? He needs to be Lord. And that's why Jesus, he taught us to pray that prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's a prayer of submission. Submitting to his kingship. Because after all, how can Jesus be king on this earth if we as his people are unwilling to let him be king in our lives? 
And guess what? The beautiful thing is when Jesus becomes Lord of our lives, what happens is we begin to see, see people the way Jesus sees people. We begin to see family. We begin to see kindred, brothers and sisters, and we begin to love one another with the love of the Lord. I love the song. I love you with the love of the Lord. Have you heard that song? Sing with me. Yes, I love you with the love of the Lord. And this is good. For I see in you the glory of my King. Yes, I love you with the love of the Lord. We need to sing that song more often here. Amen? Amen? But when we allow our preferences, our biases to affect the way we see and treat one another, one thing is for certain, and this is important, Jesus is not Lord of our lives. My friends, is Jesus Lord among us? Is Jesus really Lord in our lives? I hope so. May God help all of us to let Jesus dwell in our hearts. May he truly be Lord so that we can love one another with the love of the Lord. Amen? Yes. Secondly, to grasp, to wrestle with, and to experience the love of Christ. And I think this applies to many, many of us, especially those of us who have been going to church in a long, for a long time. We know all the right answers. We could even memorize Bible verses, which is very good. But you would agree with me that a lot of times we may know it up here, but it's a different story down here. A lot of times there's, there's a big distance between the head and the and that's why the Apostle Paul, he prayed this prayer for the Ephesians and for all of us, verse 18. And I pray that you may have power to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. To grasp, to experience. See, Paul doesn't want us to just know it up here. Paul wants us to know it here. There's a big difference between the head, head knowledge, and heart knowledge. And you know this. It's like food, right? It's like food. You can know so much about food. The ingredients, the, the, uh, the recipe, the, 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 the nutritional values and all that, and how to cook it. And, but really to enjoy it, you have to got to what? Eat it. You got to taste it. When I was preparing this message, I had a craving for this dish, salt and pepper squid. <laughs> From this little, little Chinese restaurant down in Portland, Oregon. It's a restaurant that uh, my friends and I, when I was going to seminary there, we would often go and we, we would eat there. And I've taken my wife, Julie, there many times, and, and we talk about it all the time. How do they do it? 
I mean, I mean what's the secret ingredient? What, how do you make it so good? And, and we dissect it, and we analyze it. We talk about making it ourselves, but nothing, nothing beats driving down to Portland, Oregon. <laughs> Going into that restaurant, ordering that dish, and put biting into that piece of crunchy and succulent salt and pepper squid, and let the flavor just explode in your mouth. <laughs> or it's like music. It's like music. Jazz. Any jazz lovers here? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Jazz. You, can you imagine someone knowing everything about jazz? And all the theories behind it, but never really experienced jazz. Someone asked Louis Armstrong this question How do you explain jazz? <laughs> In which he replied, If I got to explain it, then you ain't got it. <laughs> He's saying, You're hopeless. He's saying, You know, it's, you can know so much up here, but jazz. It's not something you know, but something you feel in your soul. Isn't that true? And that's why Paul prayed this prayer. When it comes to the love of God, it's not enough just to know it up here, but you got to experience it. You got to grasp it. You got to wrestle with it and experience it for yourself. And I love what Paul said about this, about the love of God. He says, verse 19, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge surpasses knowledge. In other words, he literally says, and to know this love, that is unknowable. Isn't that interesting? To know this love that's beyond understanding. Wait, there's another verse in the Bible that is also uh, talking about something that is beyond understanding. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, like we're talking about here, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. See, what's talking about there is that the peace is this, not this, from this world. This peace comes from God. And in the same way here, same thing. This love is not from the love of this world, no. This love comes only from God. By the way, what is the enemy of love? The enemy of love is, most time we think of the opposite, then it's, uh, it must be hatred. And then we think to ourselves, well, I don't hate anybody, so I must be pretty loving then. But no, the enemy of love is not hatred, but self Centeredness. The enemy of love is self-love. Why is it so hard to love the way God wants us to love? Why? Because we love ourselves. We love ourselves. One of the best examples I could think of uh, that I know is, is when you see a group photo that you're in, let me ask you, whose picture do you look for first? <laughs> of course! Always look for yourself. And if you look good, you're like, hey, good picture. <laughs> Other people, their eyes are half closed. <laughs> They're not even looking at the camera. You're like, oh, you look fine. <laughs> good picture, right? As much as we hate to admit it, 
We are self-centered people. We love ourselves, but listen to how the Bible describes the love of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Just as Christ loved the church that he gave himself up for her. Greater love has no one than this, that he gave his life for his friends. See, that's the kind of love we're talking about. When you give of yourself. These six weeks, I'd like to encourage every one of us in the spirit of kindred, in the spirit of love, God's love, that we would give of ourselves. Give of ourselves. And, and it does not have to be something huge, something big. We can start on something small. I want to give you an example. In our church, the Seattle Ballard campus is located in a very crowded residential neighborhood. And those of you who have been there, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, we have this small parking lot uh, with not too many parking spots. But it warms my heart when I see our people in the Chinese congregation preparing for our, to host our inter-church uh, Bible studies on Friday nights. And Friday nights, that, that place is crazy. It's all packed. And they blocked off the entire roll of parking for our kindred guests. Hey, the pastor doesn't even get a spot, all right? <laughs> But then they come to me and they said, Pastor, how do you spell kindred? <laughs> that really warms my heart. That is the spirit of kindred. That is the spirit of love. And I really appreciate that. And I wonder how God has spoken to you lately. Something that God has put on your heart in the spirit of kindred. How can you give of yourself in a name of Jesus. Something I want to point out to you. How are we supposed to grasp, experience this love that is unknowable? This God's love that surpasses understanding. How? Well, Paul gives us a hint. Verse 19. He said, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp the love of Christ. Do you see that? Together with all the saints, all the saints, the children of God, people of God. You see, when we step out of our comfort zone and when we open up our lives and invite other people to come in, when we allow our lives to intertwine with the lives of others, what happens is we begin to experience the depth of God's love for us. In other words, we cannot, we cannot experience God's love by keeping others at a distance, by staying in our comfort zones. But we would be so surprised that God in his sovereign plan has designed for us to experience his amazing love for us through our brothers and sisters in him. Recently, a family in our church has been going through cancer. Cancer has spread 
and they have a little child. It's a very scary and uncertain time for them. This family is a very private family. They are the kind of family that they like to keep it to themselves, you know. You know what I mean? They, they don't want to bother anybody, that kind of family. Well, but due to the severity of the situation, they've decided to, to simply open up and share their needs with their small group. As a result, this is what happened. This is what they said. Thank you for all your prayers, encouragement, and support. For those of you who have brought groceries, cooked and delivered food, made the long drives to our home and to the hospital, to listen and encourage, and for all the emails and texts. We know just how busy life can be, and we thank you for making time in your busy schedule for us. Words really cannot describe the outpouring of love that we've experienced since we shared about the news of cancer. We are not afraid. We have peace. Because through each of you, God has shown that he is with us, supporting us, and that he loves us. Isn't that good? They're going through a very difficult time. Things do not look good, but they have peace. They're not afraid, and they're filled with thanksgiving because through the saints, they've experienced the love of Christ like never before. Again, God in his sovereign plan has designed for us to grasp, to experience, to comprehend this amazing love of God. How? with all the saints, but we have to first be willing to step out of our comfort zone, to be vulnerable, to open up and allow others to come into our lives. Which brings us to our last point. In verse 19, Paul prayed that, in, that the Ephesians would be filled with the fullness of God. The fullness of God. And I know that sounds really lofty, right? I mean, the only, something that only the theologians and the preachers talk about. But really, what does that mean? The fullness of God. I am convinced that many of us, we have yet to experience the full blessing of God. The blessing that he's intended for his children, his people to experience. I want to give you an example. In one of our Sunday school lessons at our church on the topic of racism, there we talked about a major mistake that we often make in our Christian life. The question was this. When it comes to the gospel, what, what do you think of? What comes to mind when you think of gospel? And our answer was, well, that's easy. Uh, if you receive Jesus Christ into your heart, then you can go to heaven. If you receive Jesus, if you're a believer, then you have eternal life. Yes. But we were reminded that day that if that's how we define gospel and that's it, then we miss out on the fullness of God. We miss out. Our Christian life will be so 
incomplete. And right there, we were uh, reminded that in Ephesians, <laughs> the book that we're studying, it defines for us the heart of the gospel is reconciliation. That through Jesus Christ, we are reconciled to God. And because of that, we now have been entrusted the ministry of reconciliation. We now are peacemakers. We are to go and make peace. That's the gospel. But when we make the mistake of, of simply focusing on ourselves and thinking, hey, I'm going to heaven and I'm going to have eternal life and neglect the ministry of reconciliation, then we miss out big time then we, our Christian experience will be so incomplete. And it's not what God wants for us. The ministry of reconciliation is the core of the gospel and it's the heart of God. And God would not want us to miss it. As you know, my wife and I, we have been blessed with five girls. Again, I have a picture to show you. Um, we are a big family, family of seven. But... Uh, we are down to three, uh, three girls at this moment because two of them are dorming at UW. And uh, so, uh, so our family, we're down to five people. Uh, hey, we're like a normal family now. <laughs> yeah. Things are a little quiet these, these days at home. But a few weekends ago, the college girls, they came home uh, on a Saturday afternoon to uh, help the two high school girls get ready for their school event that evening. And so for a period of two to three hours, our family is reunited again. And at one point, all five girls, they squeezed into this one uh, single bedroom. And there they talked and they uh, laughed, and they played with each other's hair. They took selfies together, and, and they just had a wonderful time. And I was observing our little one, our seven-year-old Moriah. And, you know, she wasn't heavenly engaged with, with the activities of her older sisters, but I could tell she was so happy. She was so filled with joy just to be able to hang with the older sisters. Then it came time for the two high school girls to go to their school event. And then the two college girls to attend a praise night that evening. And there was only one little girl left in the house. And all of a sudden, the house became so quiet. And she was all alone. And for the rest of the night... She painted in the kitchen by herself. And then she moved into the living room and she read a book by herself. And she moved up to up, upstairs where I was working and she asked me if she could watch Backyardigans. And so she, I said, sure. And so she watched cartoon by herself. And eventually... She fell asleep on the floor by herself. And I was thinking, in a matter of a few hours, what a contrast, right? What difference. Now, can you imagine for the rest of her life, Moriah said this, you know what? I like being by myself, right? I like being by myself. 
I, I don't need the older sisters. I, I don't need them to boss me around. I don't, I don't need to share anything with anybody. I want to be my, by myself. You know what? I guess she would be fine. Her needs would be taken care of, but she would miss out big time. She would miss out. Her life would be so incomplete because God's plan for her was to be born in a big family of five sisters. My friends, when we simply focus on ourselves, take care of our needs, stay in our comfort zones with people who are just like us and neglect the ministry of reconciliation, we're missing out. Our Christian experience is so would be so incomplete. And we would miss out on God, the, the fullness of God's blessing for us. Allow me to read the story of the eagle who lived as a chicken. There's a story of a mother prairie chicken who found an egg one day, thinking that it was her egg. She sat on it until it hatched, not knowing that the egg was an eagle egg. And that's how an eagle came to be born into a family of prairie chicken. Unlike the eagle, which is the greatest of all birds, soaring above the heights with grace and ease, the prairie chicken can't even fly. In fact, the prairie chickens are so lowly that they eat garbage. So this little eagle being raised in a family of prairie chickens thought he was just a prairie chicken. He walked around like a prairie chicken. He ate garbage like prairie chicken. He even flapped his wings like a prairie chicken. One day he looked up and he saw a majestic bald eagle soaring through the air, dipping and turning. And when he asked his family what that was, they said, oh, that's an eagle, but you can never be like that because you are just a prairie chicken. The eagle spent his whole life looking up at eagles, longing to join them among the clouds, but it never dawned on him to lift up his wings and fly. And the eagle lived his entire life thinking that he was just a prairie chicken. My friends, God wants us to know that we were born to fly. We're born to fly. That there's something great more to this life than we're experiencing right now. And God is saying, you ain't seen nothing yet. God say, I have so much, so much in store for you. So let's all step out. Let's all reach out. Let's all engage in the spirit of kindred and let God take all of us to places where we've never been before. Amen? Amen. I want to wrap up today's message. As the Apostle Paul prayed for the church, there's a word that keeps repeating itself, and it's this, this word power, power, power. This word keeps, this is a passage about God's mighty power, and guess how God wants to reveal his power to the world. Verse 10, listen. So that through the church, and not just one church, 
But through the body of Christ, through the children of God, the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known. Verse 21. According to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the, in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. See, God wants to show Seattle. God wants to show our nation. God wants to show our world his great, mighty power. But how? In and through the church, his people, his children. When God's children get together, come together in the love of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, people will know that you are my disciples. If you, what? Love one another. Love one another. May God help all of us to submit to his lordship. And together with all the saints to grasp how wide. How deep, how long is the love of God? And by doing that, we're able to richly experience the fullness of God, the life that he has intended for us to experience. Amen? Amen. Now, please allow me to pray this prayer for all of you. Can we all stand? And listen carefully. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you, UPC.